Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hey everyone, Katherine Avery host of the Uncluttered Office podcast and owner and founder of productivitybydesign.com. I thought I would do something really fun and interesting today, which is to host AMA, Ask Me Anything. So without further ado, let's get started with one of the questions. Our first question comes from Karen Moffat. Karen asks, she says, I'm curious how to differentiate between being a super busy person, i.e. multiple part-time jobs in addition to owning a business, being a single parent empty nester, which means doing all the home maintenance and responsibilities and feeling it is very difficult to stay on track of it all versus having ADHD, asking for a friend, LOL, thanks. So Karen, wow, this is meaty because you have an awful lot on your plate. And whether or not you have ADHD, holy cow, that would be a lot to keep track of. So I'll start with ADHD. So the key symptom in ADHD is having trouble with focus. It used to be that people would say it was a lack of focus. That's actually inaccurate. With ADHD, you can have a lack of focus and you can also have hyper-focus dependent upon what you're more interested in. So for me, I can get uber hyper-focused when I'm writing up notes for my podcast or doing my podcast recording. But I can be completely unfocused and easily distracted if, say, I'm doing my accounting or my bookkeeping because I find all of that incredibly boring. That's why I have a bookkeeper and an accountant because it is not my superpower. So when we're in our superpower or when we're in a state of flow, which is a book written by Mihai Chick sent Mihai I always have to like, look up how to say that, the book Flow, great book, then we are capable of doing amazing things because we're in our zone, so to speak. If you have ADHD, it will be something you've had since you were a child. There is no such thing as entrepreneurial ADHD or everybody has a little ADHD. Those of us with ADHD, well, we're kind of like, you know, we had it and we were born with it and There are varying shades of gray on everything, but I'm just going to bring this up. In addition to focus, kids can struggle with self-control, so can adults, and can be hyperactive, hence the H in ADHD, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder. 
I think it's my superpower. And so I don't really love the word disorder, but here we are. So in ADHD, there are problems with executive function, various challenges that can come up. Two of the big ones are organization and managing emotions. Now, that key again is you would have had these struggles in childhood. So the best way to describe this is to tell you what I went through when I was getting diagnosed with ADHD. I went back through all of my report cards from sixth to eighth grade. And my teachers thought I talked too much and interrupted a lot. I can tell you I was happy as doing things rather than just sitting in a chair learning. These are the words they used on my report card. Bright but inconsistent, needs to improve quality of concentration, easily distracted, needs to review notes more carefully, lack doesn't retain material learned, lack of confidence in academic abilities, apprehensive, capable student but own worst enemy, losing notes and notebooks, with concentrated effort could be an astounding student, and lack of preparation. I will say I cried when I read all this. I was like, wow. Because I've always known I was different. I always knew that I struggled more than I needed to struggle. I always knew I was incredibly bright. I'm actually considered 2E, which is twice exceptional. I took the Mensa test at like age 38. I skated by in life by having had, you know, an intelligent brain and also having had a very structured learning environment growing up. My mom was amazing at making sure that we were doing our homework. Somehow I seem to get away with not getting all of it done. But I look back on my struggles and challenges from childhood and I'm really sad because there wasn't anyone out there talking about ADHD when I was a kid. I'm actually both. I am considered a combined type, hyperactive and inattentive. A lot of girls who are in the classroom who are just inattentive they don't have that hyperactive piece, which is that talking too much, interrupting, jumping out of your chair, wanting to be on the move. They might be seen as the daydreamers. They're doodlers. They're, that's my daughter to a T. They don't cause a fuss in the classroom. And so they really get lost under the radar. So I guess the answer for you is, I can't tell you I'm not a professional when it comes to diagnosing ADHD. But if you're thinking there's a possibility that you are, I would strongly encourage you to maybe go to ADHD online to get a diagnosis or to meet with a professional who does ADHD diagnosis. And since I know you personally, I would be happy to help you find the right people to discuss it with. As I am a productivity ADHD coach, I don't diagnose. I hope that helps you get a sense of what the differences are and really go back, start to look at your childhood notes, see what your report cards say. That's where I would start. Okay, awesome. Hope that helped, Karen. Here we are, AMA. This is from Eileen. Catherine, I struggle with staying in focus on a project I may be working on. The smallest thing can sometimes distract me and before I know it, I am off on a tangent and an hour or more has been lost. I was never never officially diagnosed with ADHD, but I have suspected for some time that I am. What are one or two steps to take that will help me see a project through so I don't get sidetracked? Thanks. All right. Well, first of all, every person is different and every person's ADHD shows up differently. And of course, that means every person will be motivated by different things, none of which really gives you an answer. 
So let me start with internally motivated versus externally motivated, and we'll go from there. If you're internally motivated, also known as intrinsic motivation, you're doing an activity because you enjoy it or you find it challenging. It's something you want to be doing and you're excited about it. So you'll be likely to respond well to self-imposed deadlines. So those intrinsic activities, they are those tasks that we find easy or what Chick Sent Me High calls flow. I always struggle with the name. At any rate, brilliant book about what happens when we are in flow. In ADHD world, we sometimes call that hyperfocus. It's where you're completely focused on the task at hand and you lose any sense of time going by because you're having so much fun doing whatever you're doing. This can happen to me. Um, and that's great. But not all of our tasks are ones we really want to be doing. And I always say accounting and bookkeeping are the two that I'm really not a big fan of. I'm also not very good at email follow-up. I'm working on that one. So those are the ones where we're probably going to need some external motivation. So if you're extrinsically motivated, you might be motivated by money, recognition, fame, or praise. But most likely, you're motivated by being surrounded by other people. So let me start with the carrot and the stick. You all remember the carrot and the stick from being a kid. So if it's the carrot, it's possibly offering yourself a small reward for getting something done. This can be a great incentive. So think about giving yourself a manicure, an ice cream sundae, walking outside in the park, taking a day off, a massage, quiet time, reading a book. Think about what's something you love to do and then make sure you give that to yourself after you've completed a really dreaded task. Now the stick. Why did I do the stick second? I have no idea. The stick is pretty obvious. And of course, it's not our first choice. But that's what happens when we bumped up against an urgency and need to get it right done right now. So think about the person who's doing their taxes on April 14th and they decided they're not going to file for an extension. Or they filed for an extension and now it's October and they're rushing to get their taxes done. It could be someone who needs to get a report out to a client right now and they're scrambling to get it done. That's that old stick where there are negative consequences that come about because we haven't gotten something accomplished. Another great example of this is not paying your bill on time and then you get a fee. Not a big fan of stick things. However, that happens quite a bit with people who have ADHD or people who are procrastinators because they get into that urgent zone and they have no choice but to get it done. Sometimes people with ADHD will create a sense of false urgency to sort of light a fire under their butts and make something happen. That's also possible. So one way you could be really helped in addition to the carrot and the stick is to have an accountability buddy or a group. So there's um, Focusmate out there in the world, very inexpensive as a way to like team up with somebody else. Or you could find a group similar to mine, which is called Get More Done Accountability. What I do in that group is I host three productivity power hour sessions every week. We gather together, typically at 10 a.m. Eastern. We each tell each other what we're working on. Then we do a Pomodoro-style 50-minute work sprint. At the end, we give virtual high fives. And this is how my clients get their weekly goals accomplished. I know you didn't ask what Pomodoro style is, but I'm not going to say it without saying what it is. So in the Pomodoro method, you work on something for 25 minutes, you take a five-minute break, you work 25 minutes, you take another five-minute break, 25 minutes, and then you take a 10-minute break. 
And in those breaks, you're doing something not work-related at all. Ideally, you're not putting laundry in or doing dishes. Nine times out of 10, that's what I do. Maybe you're taking a walk around the block or reading a favorite book or doing something that really has nothing to do with work, giving your brain that break. The reason we do a 50-minute work sprint is as we've all discovered, we can actually get a ton done in 50 minutes and it helps shorten our hour to an actual hour. When we were doing two 25-minute work sprints, we had a lot of chit-chat in between the two and it was taking an hour and 15. And the goal with this is to get massive stuff done in a short amount of time. I want my clients to have amazing results. So that's the kind of thing I would look for. I would look for ways to reward yourself Try not to get into the urgent, if at all possible, and then find an accountability partner or group. There are lots of ways to go about doing that. I hope that helps, Eileen. All right. Dave and Zach, two good buddies of mine, and they got into a Facebook debate, a short one and a very polite one, when I put out this question uh, for Ask Me Anything. So Dave started with one thought comes to mind, the utility of a scanner in managing paper clutter. A PDF can give you the ability to find a document you might need later without having to deal with the paper copy. And Zach's response, I spent years, decades scanning all of my bills and such. I retrieved them from time to time online. I found later that information was never really needed, more of a want. After listening to many nomads, though, that have converted everything to digital, paper, books, and mail, it can benefit your needs. All right. So digital clutter, it's a real thing. It's just like paper. But the difference is, is our digital footprint is absolutely huge. You're more likely to run out of filing space or force floor space in your home or office far faster. So am I pro digital scanning? Yes. Am I pro Thoughtful digital scanning. Yes. Like anything in a filing system or any other system, you want to have a plan. What's your goal? So, things that would be really worthwhile to digitally scan your taxes. I scan all of my paperwork that has to do with bookkeeping now because my bookkeeping system group, which is bench.co, they insist upon it. So that's how they get their information. I used to not have that digital. We would print everything out. I used to have an in-house bookkeeper. So see how your needs can shift and change over time. And you may go to digital because circumstances have changed for you. Eliminating paper clutter is always a great thing. I don't recommend scanning every single piece of paper you ever had in your filing system. I don't think that's a great idea. I did have a client who went to digital and they scanned all of their client files. I don't believe they scanned random marketing files. That is because they didn't want to take up tons of digital space. As for nomads, I'm assuming what Zach is saying here is that These are digital nomads, people who can't carry their files everywhere with them because they're working from anywhere. Uh, Wouldn't we all like the ability to do that? I think of the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. I still haven't figured out how to get to a 4-Hour Workweek. Great goal, though. So you might be a person who can take your laptop and work from anywhere. I personally do that to some extent. So we do have a beach home and whenever possible, I work from there. 
doesn't happen very often, but when it when we do, it's great. It's wonderful to have my entire filing system on my computer. That doesn't mean I have no paper. I do have a paper filing system. I have exactly four paper filing drawers, which isn't a lot of space. That's for my work. And then I have two filing drawers, one for personal and one for the beach house, which we rent out. So I keep everything very separated. Have a plan. Don't just start randomly scanning stuff. Talk to your accountant, your bookkeeper, your lawyer about what things you need to keep and for how long. This is really important. Taxes, you need to keep documents for seven years. That's the easy peasy one that I can do right off my head. I definitely know there are many more rules around how long you should keep information. My understanding, and I went through this recently, was that you don't really want to keep your tax information much longer than seven years. It's not a good idea because then if you get audited, God forbid, they can go back through, say, 20 years of your history. So it wasn't that long ago that we actually kind of had a big old bonfire in our backyard and got rid of tons of old documents that predated, oh my gosh, I mean, predated me being married in 2003. Should I even admit that? But we did have boxes, that paperwork, and we got rid of them. I don't think at this point I have anything prior to 2010. I did keep all of the leases from various places I've rented. I'm not entirely sure why. I just felt like that was important for me to keep. The number one rule I learned when I was taking my certification in productive environments is that it's better to keep something than to throw it out. If you're not sure, better to keep it. Like I said, you can always go to someone and ask them what they think about that particular information. Last thought, if you're working for a corporation, it is really important you talk to the people who are in charge of information technology and this kind of information management to find out exactly what they want you to be scanning and not scanning. There are completely different rules at different companies and there may be certain things they don't want you to have scanned on a computer and vice versa. There may be things you are required to scan. Yes, I think a scanner can help in managing paper clutter. Yes, Virginia, there is a need for a scanner. And I do think it's worth doing, but definitely with a very strategic plan. You don't want to just jump into suddenly scanning everything you own. First of all, you're not going to have time. You're just never going to have enough time to scan everything you have. And second, think about this. If you go through your papers before you scan them, you'll get rid of a whole bunch of stuff. You'll use your circular file to get rid of a lot of papers we no longer need in the world. If those papers that you're getting rid of have any personal information on them, your social security card, your phone number, your home address, anything like that, I strongly advise shredding them. If these papers don't have staples in them, you can recycle them. I think that's really all that can be said on digital clutter in a very short AMA. Dave and Zach, I hope that helped you out. I am taking a break from my podcast. So my question is, why, Catherine, are you taking a break from a podcast? And the answer is this. I interview a lot of people. There are 52 weeks in a year. It is really a ton of work to put on a podcast every week. If you're interviewing people, it's about getting a sense of who they are, asking the right questions, sending out forms, getting them set up, getting their photograph for all the marketing, asking them to do marketing, you're doing marketing, 
And then, of course, I have the absolutely stellar, amazing team of sound advice strategies in the background who are doing all the back end piece of this for me, all that technology piece that if you've known me a while, I think that technology is run by tiny little hamsters inside computers. I'm kidding, sort of. (laughs) In some ways, I really do think like how it all works, just amazing and magical, not my superpower. So first thing to know is, is if it's not your superpower, for heaven's sakes, if at all possible, hire it out. Don't waste your time learning something that someone remarkably brilliant like the team at Sound Device, Phyllis and Kelvin and Angie and everybody else can do for you. They are amazing. Okay, enough selling my amazing background team. Another reason I'm taking off from the podcast is I want to take a vacation. (laughs) You know, we're coming out of a pandemic. We uh, haven't really had a real vacation in a really long time. I seem to always work during mine. And if I can put the podcast on hold for a month, that will allow me some time to take a vacation. So I'm not taking a month's vacation. I wish I am taking at least a week and I'm trying to take two. I do know that when I travel, I always take a computer with me unless I'm in like Europe and then I only take an iPad. Europe isn't on the radar screen this summer, but it is my hope to be able to unplug and take some time off. So that is why I'm doing this. I teach that to be productive, truly productive, you need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. And my unproductive time is going to be spent while we're having a little hiatus from the podcast. So you will be hearing from me again in September. It doesn't mean there'll be nothing happening in the background. Of course, I'll be recording podcasts over the course of the month so that I'm ready for September. Third reason is August is a really sort of downtime month. In podcast world, there are fewer downloads. There are fewer people looking for your podcast at the time. It's just a kind of quieter time. And if you're going to take some time off, that's an ideal time. And the other ideal time to take time off from your podcast is right around Christmas time, which I think I will do this year. I did not last year, but I think I'm going to take two or three weeks of Christmas time off. I love doing my podcast. Honestly, I don't make a dime from it. It is entirely a labor of love. I love being able to help people. And I love the opportunity to share incredible guests, people who I know in my world who either may be famous or not famous at all, but they're brilliant. And so I do this as a labor of love on top of a full-time job, kid who's starting to look at colleges, a husband who'd like to see me once in a while, the whole nine yards. So taking a break from the podcast frees me up to work on some other projects. It also frees me up to spend time with my family. And I really cherish and value my family. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while or following along with any of the AMA videos, then you will know that mine and my highest value is my health, cancer survivor. My second highest is my family. And my third is flexibility and freedom, the ability to go where I can, which is why I've moved to an online laptop business. The beauty of podcasting is you can do it from anywhere. I don't have some fancy studio. It's me, my laptop, a in my home office, a giant ring light. When I'm elsewhere, it's just a little ring light and a Blue Yeti microphone. That is the sum total of my gear for podcasting. Pretty amazing. 
So I hope all of you have the most amazing August. I will see you in September. Thanks for being here. Truly grateful for each and every one of you. And one last request. If you're loving this podcast, I would please ask you to share it with your friends and family. Spread it far and wide. This is a message I think so many need to hear that productivity isn't just about getting things done. It's about being and taking care of you. If you could take a moment to write a review, give the stars, that would be amazing. Five stars would be best, of course. Each time a review is left, it makes us bump up so that more people can find us. And it's really important to me that this message be shared. I have really grown this podcast completely organically. I haven't made some major push to artificially inflate the numbers at all. So you'll see that I don't have tons of podcast reviews, but I would love to. And I know you could help me with that. The ideal place to give the podcast review is on Apple Podcasts. And if you are watching an AMA Ask Me Anything video, of course, popping some comments in on YouTube would be amazing too. So I hope you all have amazing rest of your, I was going to say summer, but I do have listeners on the other side of the world. So amazing rest of your August. And I will see you in September. Be well, everybody. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.